thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. Who's got peas on at home or carrots or something? Okay. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have suffered, the spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said about said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going to go further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked to us on the road and opened the scripture to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. God bless those lovely verses to all our hearts this morning. If you've watched a TV program, Undercover Boss. Yeah? 
the chief executive officer or the managing director puts on a beard, if he's a man, or a wig, if he's a woman, or both, and they go undercover, and they go around all the different franchises, or they go to the offices, or the depots, or whatever, and they pretend to be somebody else. They pretend to be ignorant of all the things that's going on in the company. And then they, they talk to people. And sometimes out of that conversation comes some really heart-rending stories. And sometimes out of those conversations comes a major policy change that's going to be made when the chief executive officer gets back behind his mahogany desk and has all the power to be seen by people. You see, he's undercover. And because he's undercover, people are going to be honest about the tea and coffee in the machine, about the expenses that you're getting paid, about their immediate manager in the depot or the franchise. And they don't know, but they are talking to the one man that can change everything. They don't know it. <laughs> and they're being honest. Now, I suspect that if the chief executive officer pulled up in his Rolls Royce, other cars are available, in the car park and walked in through the front door, immediately there'd be this act put on. Yeah? And they wouldn't say anything because he's the boss. They wouldn't grass up the manager who's an absolute dipstick because he's the boss. They wouldn't comment on the coffee and the tea because it comes from head office. But because they don't recognize him, it all comes out. These two disciples are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, a little village, seven mile walk. That's about two hours of walking. Uphill and down dale. And they're discussing as they go along the disappointment of the past few days. And alongside them comes a stranger. Now, I don't know about you, but I associate people with places. So if I'm in a school and I meet somebody, I recognize them because it goes with the school. If I'm on the fun fair on the Big Dipper and they're in the, the carriage behind me, I don't recognize them because they're in a different place, you know. I don't expect to see them there. I'm not looking for them, so I don't recognize them very often. Sometimes they recognize me, sometimes they don't. But I associate places with people and people with places. I associate recognizing somebody with the expectation that they're going to be there. And I go there expected to meet them, and so I'm, I'm looking for a particular figure when I, when I go somewhere. I can't. Maybe you're the same. Is anybody interested? I don't know. But they didn't expect to see Jesus. He was dead. They didn't expect to see Jesus because it hasn't worked out the way God, they thought God was going to work it out. We had hoped, they said to this stranger, that he was going to be the one that was going to redeem Israel. He was going to drive out the Romans. He was going to establish a Jewish state. He was going to bring religion back to the country. And the pre he was going to do great things. But the great things that they thought he was going to do, he wasn't going to do. 
Now, there's a very important principle in life, and that's this, that God doesn't do bad things. Did you know that? God does not do bad things. He only does good things, but not in the way that we thought he would. And because he doesn't fit in with our plans, our ideas, our diary, remember diaries, pieces of paper, remember those? Yeah? I've got one at home, a diary. You open it out, and the moths come out. Doesn't fit with my diary, my calculations, what I want. And so I think God's made a mistake, and God's got it all wrong, because it just isn't the way it's supposed to be. Oh, nightmare. When God doesn't do things my way. Have you noticed that? God doesn't do bad things. God's never late. <laughs> never early. Not controlled by strikes. Never late, never early. Always gets it right. That's God. How do I know that? I know that because the sun rises every morning. And the moon orbits the earth to get the tides going. Because God's a God of order. And God always does good things, holy things, right things. But these two disciples, as they walk away from Jerusalem, disappointed and disheartened and confused, they don't see it that way. They just see a total disaster. They just see a total disappointment. They just see something that's happened which was not within their expectations. So it's all gone wrong. The only wrong was between their ears. Because they weren't thinking as God wanted them to think. God is great when you find a parking space, isn't he? that right? Isn't God great when the milk's there at the local shop when you want a pint of milk? Or a litre of milk, they've got metric. Or two litres of milk. But when I can't find a parking space, what's happened? Where's God? What's God not done this time? There's no parking spaces. Come on, God, where are you? Where are you? You're in the wrong car park. Okay. Okay. You see, we think that God is always going to do what we think God should do. And the last thing these two disciples wanted was Jesus to be betrayed by Judas, to be tried by the Jews and the Romans, and to be nailed to a cross and to be put into a tomb. That was the last thing that they wanted because they wanted this man who they hoped was going to do what they wanted him to do, was going to do it and it just didn't work out and they're walking away from where it's all happened. They're walking away from Jerusalem, God's city, and they are down in the dumps. Their dumps have never been so down. And their downs have never been so dumped, Donna. And this stranger comes along. What are you talking about? To put it in vernacular, what planet are you from? They would ask him. Have you heard nothing? Have you heard nothing? 
What's going in Jerusalem? It was the talk of Jerusalem. It was the talk of their minds and their hearts. And so they begin to pour out to this stranger all their disappointments and their frustration and all their anger and all how they're feeling. And they just begin and they pour it all out before him. And he just listens. I think that is beautiful. He waited till they'd finished with all their grieves and their sorrows and where they were coming from in the depths of their hearts. He just listened. And when they had poured it all out, he dealt with it beautifully. He dealt with it. Do you know sometimes we can be too embarrassed to tell God how we feel. Couldn't possibly say that to God. Couldn't possibly tell God how fed up I am, how grieved I feel. Couldn't possibly tell God how disappointed I am with life. I couldn't possibly tell God about all the mistakes that I've made, all the errors that I've made. I can't possibly tell that to God because it's just not what you do, is it? It's got to be grammatically correct to talk to God, you know. No, it hasn't. It's got to have all the same letters starting with the same letter and the lines, you know, all the P's and all the G's all lined up. I've got to have all my ducks in a row before I can speak to God, rehearse it and practice it and refine it. And We're not doing Shakespeare. We're talking to God. And no matter how far down in the dumps I might feel, there's a God that wants me to talk to him about it. No matter what I've accused God of in the past and the mistakes that I've made and the errors that I've made and the disasters that are piling up in my, in my wing mirror of life, I've got to be able to tell God about it. And these disciples talked to Jesus and they didn't know it was Jesus, but he knew he was Jesus and he knew them. And when they had finished pouring it all out, then he began to tell them, he says, you are foolish. He's not calling them fools. He's saying you're not thinking about it in the right way. Here we have two people absolutely desolate because of what they're thinking and how they're seeing life. And the Savior draws alongside them. And the word of God says, really, he began with Moses. And the Psalms and the prophets, he began to tell them the things that were written hundreds of years ago about him. He just starts to talk to them. And there walking down that road with them is the Son of God who wrote Moses and the Psalms and the prophets. Who was in control of everything from Genesis chapter 1 right the way through. And he begins to tell them and teach them. It was the most amazing tutorial that anybody has ever had. And their hearts are burning within them. But they don't know it. They don't know it. And he goes to all the scriptures and explains to them the scriptures that spoke about him. And there's dozens of them. Psalm 22, Isaiah 53, Isaiah chapter 9, Psalm 2, Psalm 110. All these vulvy verses from the Bible 
But as I thought about it and prepared for today, the most significant one is Isaiah chapter 61. And in Luke chapter 4, Jesus stands up in the synagogue and he reads Isaiah chapter 61, the spirit that lies upon me to do heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free. And Jesus actually says to them, this day, today, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Jesus Christ is the eternal son of God, whether I like it, whether I don't. And he walked alongside them and he talked to them. And as he talked to them and explained to them things in the Bible, the Old Testament, their hearts burned within them. And when they get to where they're going to Emmaus, it's late in the day, walking for three hours perhaps, two or three hours. And they're listening to this man that they don't recognize. And when they get to the home, they invite him to come in. It's only manners. It's only courtesy. It's late in the day. It's just what you did. And they opened up their house to him and they sat down and because he was a guest of honor, he took some bread and he broke it and he gave it out to them. And as he did that, as he did that, they recognized who he was. The minds went back to the upper room where Jesus broke the bread and gave them wine. The minds went back to the cross, nails through his hands and feet, and suddenly they recognized him. It wasn't the teaching, it touched their hearts. It touched their hearts, it made their hearts burn within them, they say, but it was the understanding that this man who was dead, he is alive. And the angels were right. And the promises of God were fulfilled. And Jesus had told them on at least three occasions in his life, I'm going to be arrested, tried, condemned, crucified and buried. And the third day, I will rise again. And they'd forgotten that bit in their disappointment because they wanted God to do this. Time has gone. But this morning... I just want to read you one verse. Ask you a question before I read it. How do you see life? Disappointment. Can't explain why that happened. That illness in the family. Can't explain why that relationship died. Can't explain why that particular thing happened in my family. It's all gone wrong. Other people seem to be getting through life without me. And I'm struggling and they're sailing away and they're flying high. And I'm really down in the dumps because of my thinking and what's happened to me and my attitude. Psalm 77. I beg your pardon. It's not Psalm 77 at all. It's Psalm 73. Keep moving the Psalms in my Bible, it's amazing. Psalm 73, the writer, he's looking at the world around him. He's down. Life's hard. God's not there. Other people are getting on with life and he's not. And he's going in on himself. 
thinking about himself all the time. What's wrong? Why, 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 why? And Psalm 73 says this. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. Life wasn't what it should have been. Disappointment was all around me. I'd made mistakes. I'd done that. All the people are thriving and surviving. And I'm barely getting through. What's the problem? I couldn't understand all this. Till I entered the sanctuary of God. And suddenly he saw things clearly. And he understood that God was in control. And those people who were going against God were not going to get away with it. But that was oppressive to him. Do you know this morning, if I'm feeling oppressed by life, there's a place I can go and I can see life in a different way and I see it from God's point of view. I see it from where God is and God is in control and God is supreme and God is almighty and he rules in the affairs of men and he's the one that decides what happens and when I see things from God's point of view it kind of all makes sense and I have a faith in God who doesn't make mistakes who doesn't get things wrong who is totally and utterly faithful in all that he says and does. And you know, I really can trust him because that's who he is. So this morning, how are you walking? Head down, disappointed, away from where God wants you to be. Would you talk to the stranger? Just tell him how you feel. And he will listen. Our God will listen. He's not going to butt in. He'll listen till we're finished. And then he says, now let me tell you what I see from my point of view. And there's hope. And there's assurance. And there's a way forward. And these two disciples, what did they do? They sat there twiddling the thumbs saying, that was all right, wasn't it? That was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah. Did you notice how we talked? Did you notice that? Oh, well, good night, fella. Hey, let's get up. Seven miles is nothing. Let's go back to Jerusalem. And they found the other people who found that Jesus is alive as well. But these two men needed this time with Jesus. And if you're disappointed, and I'm disappointed, and life seems so hard and difficult and unfair, I need to spend time with my God, who will listen to me. And when I listen to him, there's a spring in my step. There's a purpose for living. And I live now to praise my God. Let's pray. Father, this morning, thank you. For these two people that walked down a road and met Jesus. Some of us here, Father, perhaps are walking down the road, head down, weight on our shoulders. Help us, Father, to listen to what you have to say and to see things from your point of view.
to see things as you see them, to see people as you see them, to see ourselves as you see us. And be honest with you. Bless this church. Bless all those who are here today. Bless our families at home as well. They need Jesus. Touch their hearts.